Thanks for tuning in to Real Original. Today we're going to be discussing what dreams may come. My name is Dave. I'm Kelsey. This one is called Trevor. And this is a 1998 Robin Williams movie that Treb picked out. So I think it's only fitting if we if we ask Treb, why did you pick this movie? Uh, it, I just like Robin Williams. Uh, he, When my dad was younger, he kind of looked like him. And so Robin Williams is like a charming version of my dad. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I maybe should have put more thought into that because <laughs> this movie was pretty meh. Can confirm the part about Robin Williams looking like our dad, though. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it makes me uncomfortable. Like, sometimes I'll be like, oh, Robin Williams looks handsome in this. And then I'm like, ugh. <laughs> so what made you pick this Robin Williams movie over any other Robin Williams movie, Treb? Oh, okay. Um... That's a good question. I liked the title. I think it's a very engaging title. I don't know if it's a quote from something. Probably it's something that I should know, but I just... It's from Hamlet. Okay, it's it's from um, Midsummer Night's Dream, but... Uh, no. Uh, okay. It's from Billy Shakespeare. Yeah. It's from... Uh, it is a line yeah. from Hamlet. I think Horatio says it. Oh, Horatio Sands? I love that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like an uncultured pig. I figured it was Shakespeare, but... Uh... Uh, so yeah, I liked the title, and that's not enough reason to see a movie, it turns out. <laughs> because, yeah, this was a bad movie. So, Treb, run us through the plot. Well, Robin Williams is a blameless, doting father and husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loses his children and his self. Uh, <laughs> I almost said his wife, but his wife was still alive. Uh, in two separate tragic incidents um and when he dies he doesn't die it's it's kind of the it's kind of a christian movie like it's it's kind of new agey spiritual christian because there's reincarnation as well so once he dies uh basically nothing happens for like 50 (laughs) minutes it's it's just robin williams wife is increasingly upset and Robin Williams. Cuba Gooding Jr. Yep. His uh, spiritual guide. Yep, spiritual guide. Um, uh, how much do you want me to sum up? Can I spoil stuff? Just spoil it. It's a 22-year-old movie that sucks. Go for it. Yeah, fair enough. So once... Eventually, Robin Williams' wife commits suicide. And uh, for hand-wavy reasons, uh, suicides don't go to heaven. Uh, I say that because it's different than the, well, they died in sin or whatever the uh, church would say, but um, uh, it's somehow they're just racked by guilt or something like that. And that makes them go to hell. It's not God doing it. Stop hitting yourself. Uh, so Robin Williams sets out on a quest to save his wife, which involves meeting a guy and then going to see his wife. Like, <laughs> Uh, there's really not much that happens in this movie. Um, the only semi-interesting twist was that Koopa Gooding Jr. was actually his son, even though he was masquerading as a person he knew. Um, and then he they pull that trick two more times right. yes. with basically every other character you ever meet. I love his daughter. And then I loved, I actually was doing something else while watching this because... I could just tell I was in for a ride um, (laughs) that I didn't want to be on. And uh, 
it took me a minute. I was like, did I misunderstand or is this other guy the guy that Cuba Gooding Jr. was supposed to be if it wasn't the son? And it was. It was like whatever doctor mentor he had was the old white guy that goes to hell with him. Yep. Yeah, and I, I didn't really understand the part where his daughter was like a, a mid-20s Asian woman. The reason she picked a mid-20s Asian woman is because she caught her dad eye-banging a flight attendant once? Did I did I misinterpret that? He... <laughs> no, you, I did not react to that at the time, but there was definitely weirdness in that scene. The right. whole scene was very strange. And they didn't try to... I mean, they didn't specifically say he wanted to bang the flight attendant, but she said that he said like yeah asian women are the most beautiful intelligent so it was also like reverse racing racial and like weird it was i was it was very strange yeah it made me wildly uncomfortable but a lot of this movie did right in terms of the the christian morals and christian stuff in this movie i actually found it to be kind of anti-christian almost mm-hmm. like nothing in it really was about living proper or living well or believing in God, asking for forgiveness. This movie was just like a vague, poorly thought out version of the afterlife. It was like the third grader's guide to imagining your own afterlife. Right. So it's worth saying, I guess, we should probably talk about the fact that it was a large part of it was set in the afterlife. And there was what I assume was supposed to be like creative imagery with his afterlife is like this painting his wife painted of the spot where they first met. Like I got the sense that the filmmaker thought that it was like really creative and interesting and it just wasn't that imaginative. I did think the visual effects were pretty good for the year it came out. Um and then it turned out it's actually the same studio who did like the bullet effects in the Matrix. Did you guys know that? Oh, really? Like the uh, bullet time camera yeah. trick thing? Huh. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, parts of this movie look like a um, like a '90s music video version of Heaven or something. Like, I I definitely agree that it, it looked good, but like mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, the the effects were visible when like mermaids are flying around and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I think that, um, the, actually the, the movie had some interesting visual ideas. I don't even want to say that that is an exaggeration, but, um, beyond just the, the pretty stuff earlier in the movie, their, their vision of hell, I don't know, kind of devolved into Mad Max somehow very briefly. Um, Mad Max. In what well, way? Well, because there were all of the like the the fight the scene where they almost fight because there there's there's like scaffolding everywhere and uh, people are just like climbing it and attacking people. Are you thinking of Mad Max Thunderdome? <laughs> I'm thinking of Mad Max in general. Just I, you know, I might even be thinking of Waterworld. Honestly, maybe I just, wasn't watching this scene, but I don't remember that <laughs> imagery of people fighting each other. Um, but I believe you. When I think Mad Max, I think vehicles and like sawed-off shotguns. Right. Yeah, it's not the primary part of Mad Max I was comparing it to. Okay. 
there's just a bunch of like trite moments. I don't know. Like when he's walking, this actually reminded me of a scene where he's walking in hell and it's just like a sea of kind of frozen faces, which I feel like this is imagery we've seen in other media. And he like, well, to be fair, if we're quoting classics, the, the, the floor of hell being paved with heads uh, is Dante. I know, but that's my point is the movie seems to think it's being like, original or that's the tone i got is that it's original ideas not based on christianity christianity or like a set religion but then the imagery is like really pretty trite is what i'm saying and he's walking on the sea of faces he steps on like this old man's face and for a minute he thinks it's his dad yeah but then it's just not and then there's nothing else about that the face is just like it's okay they never come or whatever and you're like okay yeah, for a moment I was like, "Oh, this could be interesting," and then it was just like, "No, I'm I'm not your dad. Yeah. Carry on." Yeah, that was it. I was like, "Why is this in here?" Like, I would be more interested if his dad was down there and he's like, "Yeah, I was a serial killer. Sorry about it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that like the um, there was no emotional depth to the movie in general mm-hmm. uh, because there was there was no conflict between him and his wife, which was probably a function of him only being alive for like nine minutes of the movie. Well, him being alive for nine minutes of the movie was some of the longest anybody was alive in this movie. Yeah. That <laughs> was, the children died like right at the beginning. But yeah, carry on, Trev. Yeah, continue. Yeah. Oh, hell, what was I saying? Probably didn't matter. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't enough like friction between him and his wife. Oh, yeah. him Between him and his wife, uh, between him and his children, he was a perfect father, perfect husband. He died in an accident while trying to save somebody's life. Like, I maybe I can't really sympathize with somebody who's perfect. You know, maybe that's uh, I don't know. I think that anybody who could empathize or sympathize with his position was is like a narcissist who thinks nothing's wrong in their life. Yeah, I think there was like a brief like there is the brief part where apparently they considered divorce, but even then it was like the briefest of she was kind of like apparently going in insane. She was like in a mental institution because the kids had died and obviously she was not coping well. And he just like comes and like, they don't really give more context. He's just like, I haven't been here for you. And like, if you want to get divorced, I, seems like that's best and then they don't get divorced and that was basically it yeah so going back to characters being alive in this movie i timed it out and this movie's like opening scene moved at a lightning fast pace like two minutes in robin williams has accomplished a meet cute with a beautiful woman Mm -hmm. and they're clearly going to fall in love four minutes in they're getting married five minutes in they have kids seven minutes in the kids are dead They were alive for two minutes in this movie. I'm not even kidding. Hmm. And then 12 minutes into the movie, there's a second car crash. The kids were killed in a car crash. But the second fatal car crash occurs at 12 minutes in where Robin Williams dies. Mm -hmm. Wow. So when I said nine minutes, I wasn't exaggerating much. Right. You were very, very close. Yes, you were. And Mm -hmm. I I like right off the bat, that's where the movie just lost me because I wasn't invested in any of these people. I actually laughed when the kids died (laughs) because they'd been on screen for less than two minutes. Mm -hmm. Right. How are we supposed to care about them? And actually, I mean, I I did look like 
just look up to see was this movie based on anything and apparently it was based on a novel Um, Mm -hmm. yeah although interestingly i guess the author said that it was partially non-fiction in that he fully believed it was based on research his ideas about the afterlife oh wow so he said only the specific character names were invented that's a very bizarre statement yes and so it was a really i was like okay and they made a movie about it i don't think children died in the book so i thought that was interesting that when they made the movie adaptation they're like we need to ratchet up the stakes let's kill these kids yeah like we're we're shortening a full novel into a two-hour movie let's add more characters it's a great idea (laughs) i seem to recall an author writing a book and they did a lot of interviews with people that had died and been resuscitated i wonder if this is the book that i'm thinking of and the author Mm. not sure i mean i would i i would assume that's a topic that's been covered before as well but i'm I don't know. They also, this guy like wrote, I think in his version, hell, the, when the mom goes to hell, she does have to stay there. And it is because she committed suicide. Whereas in this, it's like, no, suicidal people aren't bad. They just like trap themselves in their own torment. But I guess in the novel version, it's very much like, no, she has to stay in hell for like this long and she has to reincarnate because she doesn't deserve heaven yet. How uncomfortable was it watching a movie with Robin Williams in it that focused primarily on suicide? Uh, I don't. So the reason Robin Williams killed himself, my understanding is because of disease and um, the, so I I don't think of him as much as of him as much as, as a suicide because of like depression or things like that. And I don't want to like, mental illness is a tough topic right so um i i just think of robin williams as having died basically right well i don't i i would hope that he would find that respectful i'm not really religious so it was louis body disease which can Mm. cause a kind of dementia which does include like increased thoughts of depression i think his like Mm. wife at the time said that I think she said like terrorist in his head is what she called the disease because he was having a lot of mental issues from it. Mm. Um, But yeah, they do think that that is why. Totally normal, organic, comfortable segue. Uh, I do feel that Robin Williams is acting uh, buoyed up this movie. I just like watching his face. He's just a very interesting face. I did want to bring that up. I don't think his, I think his performance was good. I think he's a good actor. Yeah. I'd have to be the, the detractor here. I, I thought it took away from it. I was getting really strong vibes from his like Patch Adams performance and mm. so mm. many movies he was cast in because he was an older guy that could pull off a young person's vitality, like the demeanor of a kid. Mm-hmm. And he kind of pulled that demeanor of a kid into this movie at times that was very supposed to be very serious. It took right. itself very seriously. I mean, I feel like the parts where they had him, the parts that did obviously remind me of Patch Adams is when he, he is a pediatrician, which isn't discussed a ton, but like when he's in the hospital, he does like weird shit, like have a rabbit to entertain children with. Um, he also chats with a little girl who's drawn on the wall to make yes. a Cupid statue urinate. Yes. Which is great. Uh, but I didn't get, I didn't think he was being like super childish the rest of the movie. 
I feel like I understand where you're coming from about those those parts, Dave, but... I just can't help but thinking there's a lot of actors that could have done the role better than him. Mm. Right, but is it his fault for doing those scenes, or is it the uh, screen screenwriter's fault for writing them? Yeah, I guess to me it felt like more it was a, a writing issue. I know he did improv a lot in a lot of his movie roles, but I, I just felt like a lot of the problems with the movie were writing. He's not incapable of serious roles like dead poet society is a good film I'd- man could, we should have watched that i've never seen that either bringing up improv actually segues into one of the things i wanted to talk about though in the movie robin williams character christy he repeatedly uses the word chief when talking with others and i'm pretty sure that's a word that robin williams used in his improv and like across a lot of his characters it was like a robin williams word he calls uh uh, Will Chief, uh, your right. move, Chief, in the scene by the dock pond in Goodwill Hunting. God, I love that movie. Yeah, that's a good, good Robin Williams movie. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is that mm. that wasn't part of the character. That was Robin Williams being a bad actor. Maybe, like, you know, I'll grant you that. I, uh, I, I like Robin Williams so much that I kind of just let him do whatever he wants, basically. Yeah, I guess I get different enough personality from the different films that I mean, you're right. Like improvising the same vocabulary in multiple movies. I get that's not great. I also don't think chiefs uncommon enough of a thing to call people that that's like a huge problem. I don't know. Chief is 100% just a Robin Williams thing. I have <laughs> never been called chief in my life. Oh dude, I, I could have called you. chief. In the past. I was going to say Trevor says that kind of shit. All the time, maybe that's because he's a Robin Williams fan. Yeah, where do you think he got it from? I know, but I've heard I've heard other people say it too. It's written into other scripts that aren't performed or written by Robin Williams. It's not like he invented the word chief. No, but he uses it out of context. Like he didn't invent the word chief, but he just calls everybody chief, and it it was a frustrating thing for me. Is it out of context to use a nickname for multiple people when there are nicknames that we often use for multiple people? Like Bud, Buddy, I call kids Bud all the time. Is that out of context? Yeah, we got that from our dad. Well, that's true. Yeah. I'm just saying people do that. So I don't know how unrealistic it is. And I don't know that it represents bad acting. I maintain that chief is is a, a word that Robin Williams like trademarked to nicknames. Like he invented <laughs> it and everybody uses it because he used it. I will welcome that opinion if you look up the different scripts he set it in and prove that none of them had chief written into it. I don't believe I have access to that, so I don't think I can take you up on that. Sounds like an opinion. Okay. Oh man, this is going to be an, an unresolved Kelsey does not move an inch. I have uh, known her for a long time. I'll move an inch if some if someone's right. Yeah, you're right. It's it's just how John Wayne was famous for the word pilgrim. He didn't invent the word pilgrim, but it became synonymous with his performance. Correct, and other people continued to use that word after that, influenced by John Wayne. Just as uh, just saying, like people <laughs> can be influenced by things other people have said. Right, people can be influenced by things other people have said, but when John Wayne uses the word pilgrim, it makes you go, ha, ah, John Wayne said pilgrim. And when Robin Williams uses the word chief, it makes you go, 
Ah, Robin Williams said, Chief, it takes you out of the movie. It's something I've that should be held for I've literally never noticed it before, and I've seen a lot of Robin Williams films. But I can see why it would be more noticeable and jarring to someone who is not used to that word. So I will concede that to you. I'm trying to look up when the word Chief uh, uh, usage uh, first started, because like Google can do those graphs, but I, I can't remember hmm. how to get to it right now. Interesting. I mean, I don't think that's like a key point anyway, but... Was Google charting words back in like 95? They were charting words back to the 1800s in book usage. I'm sure it charts retroactively. Yeah, they went they went through documents in the past. So, Okay, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess aside from his issues with apparently repeating language, I think that he is a good actor in terms of expression, but I totally understand an alternate point of view yeah i i could see that as being like i was i was gonna bring up not john wayne but uh christopher walken like i like christopher walken as an actor but one of his flaws is that his kind Mm -hmm. of weirdness comes through all the time in everything Mm -hmm. he's ever done which i love so i I think that I can see that flaw in Robin Williams and still appreciate like the little micro expression stuff that he does with his face that I think works really well. Uh, and his sense of humor, which is really an asset to a lot of films, even though, yeah, his sense of humor, like I never really liked his stand up. Mm-hmm. It, it gets kind of grating at times. It's very Dane Cook esque where it's just a lot of energy and randomness directed at the microphone and, it's it's draining. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people that have known him have said that he had like a huge amount of energy. I totally agree that the stand up is not so much for me. Um, and I won't say that I like every movie he's been in. I thought this movie sucked. Yeah. It was just like so mediocre and forgettable and too long. Despite how much it rushed children's deaths. I was just like. I don't know. Yeah, because the problem, I think, is not that it's too long. It's that nothing happens in this movie. Every action is Robin Williams moving from a place to a different place, meeting a person. um, And then at the end, things kind of get twisted up because you find out those relationships were different than they were. But it's so meaningless because it's right at the end. And even the most what should be exciting scene, which is him with his wife, is... It's a really good, like, I think Robin Williams does being, like, deeply in love well as an actor. Like, uh, I don't know. I did not get any chemistry on the actress's side at all, but I thought Robin Williams was kind of throwing it out there. That's my review. Yeah, it was uh, too long for the amount of plot there was, I guess is what I meant. Like, that, for what plot was there, it could have been, like, a (laughs) 40-minute movie like most of the scenes were just him like doing different gags with what the afterlife looks like like oh i'm gonna fly over to where i see my wife but really i'm gonna run real fast or yeah and it it wasn't visually impressive enough to be like warrant that treatment for the whole film so i don't know yeah i i thought his performance in terms of the the relationship with his wife was kind of cucky Hi, Dave in the editing room here. I just want to apologize. I use the word cuck a lot in this podcast. I actually got it confused with the word simp. I was looking for simp, and I kept saying cuck for some reason. I don't really condone use of either of these words, but 
Yeah, I used them and I got them mixed up. So, my bad. Back to the podcast. Mm. I think is the modern word that's being thrown around a lot, where he basically just worshipped every single thing that she said and did and was like her lapdog at some points, it felt like. So, uh, this was the period of Robin Williams' career where I, I did not like his movies. I really feel like... From my perspective and from what I like of him, he was in like three or four movies that I really, really like. Mm -hmm. And everything else was terrible. He was in so many bad movies in the 90s that Mm. like revisiting these movies like this, it really like tarnishes my perceived reputation of him. Because it's like, oh, God, why is he in this? I'm just watching it like, oh, it hurts me. It's interesting because he did like he would sign on for a lot of projects like he was in those night at the museum movies later in his career at the end of his life that weren't great and it's interesting because he did have like some specific moral stances like i know he didn't want to be involved with merchandising for anything he almost said no to being the genie in aladdin because he didn't Mm. want to be involved with selling products yeah, and Disney actually betrayed his contract. That's right. a that's a famous legal dispute that went on. Right. So it's like clearly he had some kind of integrity, but like not not in the quality of roles he accepted. Yeah, I think the best and shortest descriptor of that is while he was recording the genie for Aladdin, he was also recording Batty for Fern Gully, the animated character that mm. raps. Yes. I I think that I would cry real human tears if I ever saw footage of that. It's not great. I have not seen Fern Gully since I was like six, but when I was six, I loved Fern Gully. That's all I can say. I'm sure it's not that great. Oh, I, I may have seen it. I don't I even remember that so long ago. Yeah, I don't remember the baddie character. Oh, you get into your 30s, boys and girls, and things start falling apart. Speaking of things falling apart... Mm. There were so many quotes in this movie that were just like nightmare, terribly written quotes. How do you remember any of them? I How do you forget them? They're so bad. I just like, they watch Yeah. <laughs> Hearing Cuba Gooding Jr. say, soulmates, it's extremely rare, but it exists. Oh, yeah. I remember him talking about soulmates because that was one of my biggest ugh moments for like explaining mm. why they were connected in heaven. And then later, Robin Williams says, I'm her soulmate. I can find her. <laughs> that he does say that. And they're just like the worst written lines I can Wait, think of. This brings up like a great question, which is like, he really didn't give much of a f- about his dead kids in this movie. Like the amount of time spent on wanting to get to his wife and like deciding to stay in hell with his wife at the end rather than go back to the kids. You're right. Well, I was like, why are we supposed to care about these kids? Like they were barely alive. I don't know if it's even cuppy to to like hate your children. It's just like awful human being. Or not hate, but just neglect at that point. Like they try to throw in some relationship stuff uh, as flashbacks later in the movie. And they're, they're, they're just like, I don't know, all, the only thing you know about his son is that his son's kind of dumb. And then everything else is just dialogue of his, nice. of Robin Williams saying, yeah, but there's, uh, there's one man I'd want behind me on the battlefield or whatever. 
and it's his son, which like who chose to look like Cuba Gooding Jr. I, really, I would probably want Dwayne the Rock Johnson or somebody like big and beefy, not my fourteen-year-old son. Yeah, and I kind of got the impression that the kids were like her kids more than their kids. What do you mean? Like she cared more about the kids? Yeah, like mm. like if I were to extrapolate what I was feeling, it would be that they had kids because she wanted them and he wanted to make her happy. Mm. Oh, so you're re- you're reading deep deeper into the character there then because you or the cuck person yeah i don't know if i got that impression so much as like okay him and the wife were shown to be deeply in love she really we didn't get to hear much of her perspective beyond she was mentally unstable at one point so I, i don't know if i can draw the same conclusion based on that it was more just the typical like limited screen time for the woman um what she is in she is his love interest or like obsessed with her children that's it he's obsessed with her that's it that's fair i would agree with kelsey just based on the fact that like he um if if they had a negative relationship like that written into the movie i think it would have come out as some kind of conflict at some point even in this like bland drab movie we love each other so much they we're going to be reincarnated and meet his children. But leave our children behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was my biggest thing there. He's like, I love they explain well, it away. Be, like, it's a blink of the eye in heaven time. I can kind of understand that. If you were in that situation in heaven, you'd be, like, bored. So eventually you'd go back down to earth. But, like, you'd spend time in heaven, too. Like, being the weird German guy with the... Do you remember, like, his only characterization was that he read slow? What about, like, his nine-year-old daughter that, Mm -hmm. like, is she going to get reincarnated? She never got a chance to become an adult or, like, live a life. Hmm. And what if she killed herself before the car crash? Hmm? Mm. You guys are all thinking (laughs) about this. You're not thinking in terms of them being reincarnations originally, too, though, bro. It's been going Whoa. on forever. I did Man. actually think about that. I was like, are, like, how long do the reincarnations go on? Like, Yeah, and that's something that the movie I found problematic is that it had these really, like, it introduced these really big concepts and then just immediately walked away from them. Like, they introduced hell and reincarnation and an afterlife conceived by... Like being tied to things that happened while you were alive. They introduce all these things, but then when they ask about God in the movie, they just shrug it off. Like, oh, he's somewhere. Right. Maybe he can hear us. I don't know. They did that multiple times where they just like introduce these huge concepts. Like, oh, yeah, reincarnation exists, by the way. And then they're like, we're done with that subject. Let's move on. Right. Yeah. It felt like to me they were scared to take risks and they were like, this is going to seem so like imaginative and innovative to christian america but we're also not going to challenge any of their beliefs or like make them uncomfortable or beliefs that contradict their beliefs like right completely completely neutral okay and then here's something else that they walked away from and, and didn't really exist they they explained that you could take the face and body of anybody that you want, really. That's why the son picked Cuba Gooding Jr. That's why the daughter picked the sexy flight attendant. Oh, yeah. there's a, So there's identity theft in heaven. Because, like, yeah. yeah. When you get to heaven, if your body's taken, do you have to pick a new body? Because, like, I would be fine with that on my behalf. No, because they went back to the, the kids went back to their own bodies. There's probably just, like, ten Cuba Gooding mm. Juniors walking around because everyone wants to be charming. 
But, okay, but here's what I was trying to get at. Mm-hmm. They introduce these big concepts and walk away from them. How old was the son? Like, 14? Yeah. And Cuba Gooding Jr. said that he died at the age of 63. Right. And yet, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character was maybe 28 or 30 in the movie. Uh, he did mm. say, I will, I mean, I don't want to defend this movie, but I will say Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character said, yeah, you can look however you want in heaven. Like, you think I was always 78 or whatever? Yeah. I know, but that wasn't that character. It was the son. Chris's at the son. Time. Yeah, who could so have like, never seen the 30 year old. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been trying to get at. I, he must have heard his dad talk about him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what a movie. <laughs> and, and, like, normally I try not to pick at scabs like that, but this movie just introduces these things and walks away from them, and it, it just opens up these plot holes. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to overlook some plot holes and some, like, unexplained things, but, like, you have to offer me something in return, and there was, I just, there was nothing really offered to enjoy or loud, so. Yeah, Dave, I get the impression that you, like, hated this movie, and I don't, like, I didn't get enough out of it to even hate it. I just thought it was super bland. I did hate this movie. The, the quotes the writing Mm -hmm. the i don't really care for robin williams this movie just didn't come together for me it it was a comedy of errors like i laughed at this movie more than i felt anything else Mm -hmm. i i just have like a list of quotes that i've written down Mm. of like like this is a quote from the movie sometimes when you win you lose yeah it's like the climax (laughs) of a scene and it's like you can't just write this like bullshit existentialism into the movie like Mm. that's not interesting and that's what the movie's full of i i I had to watch this movie in two sittings because i couldn't do it all in one it also felt very 90s to me like yeah i just i was just like this just seems like so many other mediocre 90s movies i can think of it's just unbearable like i i agree that the writing was bad i mean the plot is basically it's like orpheus and persephone excuse me persephone in the uh afterlife uh so like they're already dead but um i'm really yeah. embarrassed to say i thought you were trying to tie it back to the matrix <laughs> oh no <laughs> that's what i thought of when you said orpheus and persephone i was yeah. like oh shoot Trev's doing his thing which character was persephone in the matrix i don't remember <laughs> oh man um you know, I do need to rewatch the second and third Matrix movie, if only so that we can have an interesting argument. That's what we could have been doing. <laughs> well, that's two movies, though. Yeah, we could have. Started. Well, we've done double features before. Oh, OK, fair. I'll say I'm like, I don't really have much else to say about this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've expressed my views. This movie's reason for existing is very clear to me. That they came up with this cool paint feature and they wanted to use it in a movie. And then they wrote the movie around the CGI that they were looking to introduce visually. Yeah. They're like, well, we optioned this uh, novel, like the rights to this novel. So let's oh, make I a see shitty bada movie. Bing, bada boom. I gotcha. Hmm. This movie reminded me of basically three separate movies rolled into one. Patch Adams because I got that kind of Robin Williams impression hook because Robin Williams was flying around in that movie too, which like some of the visuals in this movie were very hook esque. 
And then the third movie was Loving Vincent. Do you guys remember Loving Vincent? It, it was really, really like talked about. Mm, I've heard the title. I never saw it. I didn't see it, but I remember seeing ads for it. Right. And then like the rotoscope and the, the colors in Loving Vincent just reminded me of all the things in this movie. Mm. Yeah. Here's a question. Do you think that it's difficult to uh, do a movie set in the afterlife in general like i'm trying to think of other movies that are that have a, an afterlife component and like it's very rarely shown do you think that's a western taboo uh i don't know i think there's i mean i recently watched the house that jack built which is like a lars von trier his most recent movie but that one like specifically lifts lifts from like dante's inferno mm, okay but like in kind of an interesting way, I thought. I've never seen any Lars von Trier. You are uh, too hip by far. I've heard the name, but I don't associate it with anything. Yeah. He a movie, man. He make a movie. <laughs> it's my Wikipedia article on him. Uh, But I, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's not like the most popular topic. I feel like there's other movies I can't think of. My observation is that... Uh, if you try to set a movie or, or any kind of material in the afterlife, you are going to get vi- like almost violent hatred from some group, no matter what. So I don't know. Like, I, I'm not like, I mean, obviously I have a stance on religion and that's my business, but maybe this movie wasn't for us, but like, I don't know. I have a hard time believing that a hu- huge part of the population is uh like dumb because they like stuff like this because this was this not a popular movie i don't know if it was popular or profitable i had a really hard time i i finished this movie like 10 minutes before the podcast started so i didn't have time to like research it too much i just put it off as long as i could (laughs) (laughs) but it did win an oscar i think it won an academy award mostly for the the visual design I don't think any like writing or storytelling was praised in this movie. Yeah, man, that's fair. (laughs) And by 98, I think audiences had started to sour to Robin Williams dramatic roles. Mm. If I remember properly. I think after this movie, he had some fairly well reviewed. I think one hour photo did fairly well. Critically. I think that was like 2002. Was that a, a thriller and he's like the um he works in a photoshop yeah i never actually saw that but i remember reading like the backs of the uh dvd in you know back when they had those video store things Mm. video rental places i don't know if you guys remember oh i remember i miss them but yeah i them were the day i don't think one hour photo was financially successful i'm pretty sure it flopped but i I don't have any sources so i could be very wrong on that i think it was a flop i just thought that i saw critical reviews were decent right right yeah Uh, the problem with the back of a dvd box is that you just read the quote and they're all like excellent truly fascinating or something like that and and it's like by some guy in idaho who writes for is like a junior writer for a paper or something well, maybe sometime they'll get some guy from Ohio in a podcast and use their quote. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? I'm Trevor, and this is my favorite store in the Citadel. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
did you guys when hearing the main character's name who is frequently referred to as christy in the movie did you ever think of former New Jersey Governor Chris, Chris Christie? Yes. That's yes. all I thought of, yes. Yes. That yeah, is, I thought of him a lot in this movie. That was just another thing that made me laugh and broke my immersion, so to speak. I mean, yeah. I'm like, I know other film characters can have unique names, but I'm like, don't pick a name that close to a real name. Well, I'm not sure if Chris Christie was a governor at the time or, or even like more than a no, lawyer no. or something. I just mean because Christy sounds like Chris, like that, even oh, that yeah. much. I'm like, it's like, just say Chris. Like, I... isn't Christy a, a, just a normal woman's name as well. Correct. Yeah. Kelsey can be a man's name. That's, Kelsey you know, it's that is that name is like the extent of his characterization. Like, be, like he's, He's just that and in love with his wife. And he's a great, an amazing pediatrician, an amazing husband. He's got well, it. <laughs> we didn't see much of the pediatrician thing. Maybe there's a dark backstory where he's like, he's killing these kids. You might Maybe have misdiagnosed that girl. Yeah. yeah. What are you talking about? We didn't see him much as a pediatrician. Literally, Patch Adams came out the same year as this movie. They no, I'm talking about in this movie. I, I know. I, I'm just making a joke. Oh, okay. I don't understand how they both came out in 98 and he's playing the same character. <laughs> or a similar character. Like, pediatrician is what I'm saying. Like, right. Yeah. It just seems wildly coincidental. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the screenwriter... Uh, back to the topic of religion, I guess, because uh, that's a great angle to go down. Uh, like the afterlife or or lack of one is a really, really tough question for a lot of people. And to just throw some trite shit at it is kind of sad. I don't know. Uh, like reincarnation exists but you don't talk about indian mythology at all i don't know here goes trevor yeah. about buddhism oh yeah i'll drop some zen tweets on you guys <laughs> Do it. <laughs> yeah i know what you're saying like it, it was just messy yeah and i'm not sure if it was a product of its time messy or just hasn't aged well Probably it's hard for me to both. put my finger on why i hate this so much I think it was probably a bit of both for me. I just got the feeling I was like, not only is this dated, but it wasn't good when it came out. I feel like that all really conspired yeah. against me enjoying it in any way. And the visuals didn't help because there are times in this movie where there's beautiful things on screen, but we're in an era where like literally the biggest movies are 99% CGI. Yeah. Like having beautiful visuals on the screen animated by computers just isn't, abnormal anymore no. so th this might have been a, a special treat to people and this might have taken you know 18 months for a, computers to render those graphics or something I, I don't have the numbers on that but like i'm just saying time hasn't been kind to the graphics no and i think that's something that even a lot of films now need to pay attention to avatar i don't like the avatar movie james cameron it was very popular when it came out in high school i didn't think there was anything there beyond like the visuals people were so impressed by i just think you know some good movies can hold up past their visual effects no longer looking good to modernize mm -hmm. but 
But if the plot's not there or the characters aren't there, if there's not something more compelling, future audiences just are not going to give a shit. I can't wait for Avatar 2. <laughs> oh, I fucking hated Avatar. Oh, That's a I different like discussion. Let's not. <laughs> like, visually, it's like kind of cool. But I didn't even see it in 3D, so that was wasted on me. Right. Talk about lack of characterization, and not not the podcast. Not the podcast. so James Cameron did this bizarre thing for the History Channel uh, because I used to watch a lot of the History Channel. Tragically, James Cameron did this thing. This was when the History Channel was starting, like after it had turned into bullshit. Um, he he did this thing where he was like, "There, this is evidence of the arc," and it was literally James Cameron, the director, like looking at like egyptian monuments and there's like a wave and a boat next to it he's like this is evidence of the ark basically the entire thing so that's james cameron not just a very unique thing how are we at 50 minutes for this particular episode oh yeah you're gonna have to cut a lot we've lost all of our audience at least 40 minutes ago (laughs) the only other talking point for the movie i i had to bring up was Previously on the podcast, we discussed Velvet Buzzsaw, not this group. It was mm-hmm. Nate and Ricardo. Yeah, I seen me a Velvet Buzzsaw. Did you get the the weird feeling about like the car crash with high valued art in the car? I did not, but as soon as you said Velvet Buzzsaw, I kind of saw where you were okay. going with it. They're not like linked intrinsically, but I just felt it was kind of odd that of the twenty or so movies that we've done on this podcast. Like, that's a recurring theme of people crashing cars right, with, with expensive art, art in them. <laughs> yeah, like, that's not in many movies. I think that's a more interesting movie than this, I'll say that, if anyone oh, yeah. watched <laughs> that. I don't know that critics loved it, but I actually thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I actually can't wait to watch Velvet Buzzsaw, like, a year from now, when I've kind of forgotten all of the beats and the feelings in it, and just get to re-experience it again, but also have the familiarity of knowing what to expect from the big moments. I, I'm really wondering if I'll like it as much or if it'll hold up, but I'm looking forward to that. I would do that rewatch with you. Let's do it. Trevor, you're not invited. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what Velvet Buzz, Buzzsaw even is, so it sounds like a movie. It's a Netflix exclusive, Jake Gyllenhaal. It's got John Malkovich. It's kind of a satire of, of high art society. Yeah, it's a satire of the art world, which is like, as someone who has an arts degree very much enjoy making fun of that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to call anybody in particular out, but you had some doozies uh, when you were in school that you were were up and coming, right? Pardon (laughs) me? (laughs) Uh, Like some of your classmates were pretty like lazy Uh, artistically. I see what you're saying. Yes. All right, well, in terms of the podcast, what's coming next is on November 25th, we're doing some fun movies. I'm sorry to this podcast group where we had to end up with this movie, but (laughs) on the 25th, we're doing a double feature of Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. a movie where a turkey is a murderer. I've never seen it. Oh, shit. We watched that as children. And we're also doing Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Hmm. It's a little Thanksgiving double feature. Should be a good time. Classic. Yeah. In terms of coming out to the podcast and recording with me, I appreciate you coming, Kelsey and Treb. Uh, this episode, we got more mileage out of it than I expected, even if it was mostly complaining. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah, thanks for having us. 
any listeners, thanks for tuning in and, and listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. We love five-star reviews. Or give us a share on social media. Other than that, stay safe out there. Bye-bye.